listening to Helping Those with DID, a podcast of Lydia Discipleship Ministries. Thank you for your desire to gain more understanding of how to best help those with dissociative issues. You can visit our website at www.lydiadm.org. And now let's listen in. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Today, Elaine and I thought we would look at the specific topic of the systemic impact of trauma, how it affects our whole being. And to do that, we decided to give you a glimpse of Elaine's healing story and to use some of her experiences to connect with you and to help you understand perhaps what the clients you are seeing are experiencing in their trauma and their healing. So we'll take a personal approach to this podcast today, and I'm just going to invite Elaine to walk us through some of these pieces of her story and what healing has felt like and looked like in her whole being over the years. So Elaine, welcome, and I'm just going to let you dive right in. Well, thanks, Lindy. You know, sometimes I think we as counselors get a narrow focus on dealing with the emotional chaos and trauma that has resulted from abuse. And sometimes it's helpful to look more broadly and realize that the impact of trauma has an impact spiritually, socially, mentally, emotionally, physically, in all areas. And I thought I'd just give you an example of each of these in my own life. Spiritually, I was like the man of the Gerasenes. If you remember him, he's called the man of Gadara. He lived in the tombs. He had a a preoccupation with death. And he was self-abusive. He was cutting himself with rocks. He seemed to have suicidal addiction, if we could put it that way. And obviously, there were demons present. And that's how I was probably about the time that I was about 17 or 18. There were demons inside of me. I was aware of something inside of me, but I didn't know if it was a demon or not. But I just knew that there was lots of hatred and and preoccupation with death spiritually. And so part of my healing obviously had to be what how the Lord addressed that issue. Mentally, I had intense mind noise. It was like having a radio playing in your head, but also changing channels maybe every 10 seconds or hearing voices, overlapping voices. The inner chaos that was there caused such an anguish. And there was also a big fear that someone would find out how crazy I was inside. I had amnesia so that I couldn't remember the abuse. And when I would see scars or something physically, I would just quickly ask the question, well, I wonder where I got that. And then just as quickly, my mind would say, well, whatever, and go on to something else. It was as though my mind didn't want to tell me where I had gotten those. There was often fugue states where I would be in a building somewhere on, at school, and then I would sort of look up and I'd find myself in a totally different place, maybe even a different town. Sort of is a humorous thing. I had to keep a glove box in my car full of different state maps 
because I was in New York at school, but sometimes I showed up in New Jersey. So I had to know how do I get back to New York? So I had a collection of, of uh, maps in my glove box. Now I could do GPS, but that was before that time. There was frequent triggering where the parts would take over and I had no control over that. The triggering happened when something in my environment reminded me of a past part of the trauma. It could just be the color of a person's shirt or different things. Obviously, things like communion were very difficult. Um, I usually didn't stay all the way through the communion service at church. But the triggers seemed to be at one point almost nonstop. It was as though there was a roller deck of parts inside and each one would come forward and say something or do something, usually do something embarrassing. My view of myself was that I wasn't human. I really believed that I was an animal. And the self-hatred and the self-abuse and different things that grew out of that were pretty consistent. Emotionally, I had an intense desire to run, to get away, um, to escape. I didn't know what I was escaping, but I just felt that that there was danger and I needed to get out of there. I needed to flee. So the suicidal addiction, as I call it, was such that when I would walk by a third floor window at my school, I would consciously be praying, Lord, don't let me jump out the window because the desire, the lust, I called it, for suicide was so strong. And there was an intense hopelessness. I had gone... Uh, attempted to find out from two different people, one a pastor and one a counselor, if they could help me with whatever was going on inside and got very bad advice from them. One said that the that the um, raw anger inside of myself was the real me, so I should just let that part come forward and live that way because it was just repressed anger. So that didn't go too well, obviously, and nor with the pastor. But um, I, I knew that God had the answer, which was very interesting and very gracious of God to plant that inside of my mind. Well, how did God heal me? How did he restore me and bring me from having a life like this to um, being whole? Well, in my case, there were two separate parts to the healing There was first the freedom from the demonic overlay, and then there was a separate emotional healing. Over the years, it's been 30 years and more that I've been working with people with DID, and usually what I find is those are done together, that in the emotional healing, especially if there's SRA involvement, the freedom from the demonic takes place as part of the normal journey of emotional healing. I wonder, in my case, the reason the Lord separated them is that both sides of my family generationally had been involved in the occult so that there was a huge uh, demonic presence and demonic control. The Lord began to rebuild me in terms of my view of myself. He began to, he, he asked me one day what I thought of myself. And so he said to write down what I thought of myself. So I wrote, I'm an animal. I'll never be loved. God hates me. 
And then he said, no, write down the opposite. And the opposite column is what's true. So say what the sentences are in the opposite column every day. And you will begin to see my view of yourself being embedded and growing in you, which really, that really happened. I should mention one other thing uh, in terms of the impact that I forgot to mention, and that's the physical impact. It's not coincidental that many people who have DID have autoimmune diseases. There's a place in the brain um, for those brain people called the hippocampus, and it sort of basically runs the immune system. But the only problem is when trauma is present, that hippocampus begins to shrink. And so it's not its full size. They did a little study with people coming back from Vietnam. And while they were in that trauma, the hippocampus was shrinking. But when they got back to the States and got help with PTSD and other things, the hippocampus regained its original size. The only problem is if you are being abused as a toddler or years later, uh, maybe even up to 10, during those developmental stages, that hippocampus can't be the size it's supposed to be. It never grows right. So that that's common, as I said, for the DID person to find that there's immune systemic immune problems, whether it's lupus or MS or there's a whole wide range of physical things that have happened to the person because of what's going on in their brain. And I have to say, in my case, uh, there wasn't, there hasn't been much change in terms of recouping from the physical impact, not only as a result of autoimmune diseases, but also the impact of the brutality of the abuse. Let's go back to how God restored me. He connected me with myself. I call that the role of integration. Some people feel integration is the end all, that that's the goal. But I feel that integration is a byproduct of healing. And by healing, I mean a connectedness with God to start with that reevaluates assumptions and reevaluates opinions about ourselves and also our connection with God. There was developmental healing. I called it growing up backwards. I didn't have social skills. You may have heard me use this example before. I didn't know how to enter a room if there was a group, for example, having a Bible study. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to come in and say hello. And also, I didn't know at the end how to say goodbye to everybody. So I would wait and come in 10 minutes late so I didn't have to say hello. And then at the end, right before the end, I would go to the ladies' room and then leave from there so I didn't have to say goodbye. I also had never really eaten around a, a table, like a meal around a table. And so it was real difficult for me. I felt so claustrophobic. So there were a lot of social skills that normally would be part of the child's developmental growth that were missed because I was busy trying to stay alive. I lived 
in two different families in our church community. And that's where a lot of my healing from the developmental and some of the social things came. I also had a church connection that was incredible and incredibly supportive during my healing. And one of the things that was emphasized was the power of the Word of God especially because of the SRA background, that had to be key in my life. I just was thinking as I was putting this together, what were some of the characteristics of the counselors? I did end up with one appropriate counselor. What were they like? And I think this might be helpful to us to see what might be some of the characteristics that would be most effective. First of all, I could tell they cared. They had, I believe, they had a calling from the Lord to be doing what they were doing, and it was obvious because they, I could tell they cared. And they were willing to wait and not push an agenda. If they had felt that integration was the end, they at least didn't push that and bring it up every time. And, well, is anybody integrated now? You know, that kind of... Um, thing made it hard. There there would have been a pressure on me. They understand the diagnosis of DID and also SRA and are not afraid of SRA. They need to be reminded that the Lord said he put Satan under our feet like he's under the Lord Jesus' feet and he's the Lord is the greater one. They need to understand the role of memories I don't believe that God has a person remember everything traumatic that happened in their life, but only those memories that the Lord knows would be important for their healing unless he brings forward. Triggering isn't always bad. If you have an understanding of triggering, you can embrace it in a way that it doesn't sideline you or make it so that the client feels very discouraged that here we go again, Uh, something has gotten triggered. A counselor that can reflect God's anger and sadness. I'm allowed to be as livid as my God is livid about things that happen. And also sadness, modeling sadness. When a person tells you just a horrific story, even while they're talking, if you're silently saying something, not silently, but quietly saying something like, Oh, I'm so sorry. That's terrible. God is so angry about that. Even while the person is talking, there are lots of people inside, places inside that are listening and are looking to see what you are reflecting about God. You need to have a worldview that includes the demonic realm. That could be a whole other topic. You, you need to have spiritual eyes to see beyond the chaos. You have to have a faith-based mode of thinking or perspective. And you need to be a discerning listener. The last one I'll mention is you need to be a person of prayer. So what did God do spiritually to restore me? He gave me an incredible comfort even during the healing process and an incredible passion for his word, which was so key in my life. He gave me an incredible revelation of who he was to remove the distortions. And he taught me how to fight spiritually. He gave me grace to live with the unexplained things that God did not answer when I asked him why. He gave me an incredibly precious relationship with him and an incredible gift of a rebuilt life. 
Thank you, Elaine. That is powerful in many ways because we're not just talking about ideas or something from a book. You've allowed us to understand from your own experience what God did in the midst of the suffering you experienced mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and how he met you in each of those places and how the counselors listening have such a key role in helping uh, with the healing, being agents of healing through the grace of God for their clients. And so friends that are listening, we just hope this encourages you, brings new understanding um, from the perspective of someone that is working through their journey and story of healing. And we're so grateful that you've joined us for this special podcast today. Thank you so much. You can visit our website for resources at www.lydiadm.org. 